Hi everyone and welcome to Spark Leadership. I'm Wendy Tepiso Manedu, a senior behavioral scientist at Coach Hub and the host of this show. Our show today is all about shifting your inner perspective and becoming a better leader, not of others, but of yourself and your mind. And for that, I couldn't think of anyone better to speak to than Brenda Benz. Brenda Benz is passionate about two things, leadership and branding, and how the two work together to help leaders achieve greater success in the workplace. Sought after across six continents as an executive leadership coach and motivational keynote speaker, Brenda is known for her inside-out leadership system. Recognized by Thinkers 50 as a world leader in coaching, she's also consistently ranked by global gurus as a top 10 coach worldwide. Brenda earned her MBA from Harvard Business School and is the author of 11 award-winning books on leadership, coaching, and branding. Let me admit, I am completely starstruck. And I want to be like Brenda when I grow up. A <laughs> warm well, welcome to the show, Brenda. It's a great honor and a privilege for me to have this time with you. Well, thank you, Wendy, but be careful what you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brenda, one of the standing features of the show is that our guest will share one interesting fact about themselves at the beginning, and we wrap up the show with future predictions. So, please share with the audience one interesting fact or Fun fact about yourself. Sure. So I've lived overseas 27 years outside of my native U.S., and I have been to over 100 countries in the world. So I'm a big traveler. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing. Now you all understand why I said I want to be like Brenda, (laughs) right? (laughs) What a good way to start the show. Brenda, I'd love to know what led you to be a guru and an expert in leadership and branding. What led you to this path? Well, those are my two passions. I worked in big corporations for a long time, and I really loved leadership. That was always a passion of mine. But my background and my expertise in those large corporations was branding. I led many billion-dollar brands and businesses around the world. And so I wanted to combine my two passions of leadership and branding and see how they could fit together. And with a lot of thought and work on that, I ended up creating a a leadership branding system that helps leaders develop their own brands and corporations can use it as well. Thank you so much for pioneering and creating this marriage between branding and leadership. I really enjoy your writing around these topics. So let's dig deep into it. Today, we're talking about your latest book, The Forgotten Choice, Shift Your Inner Mindset, Shape Your Outer World. What led you to write this book? Well, yes. Well, you know, I own a successful global leadership coaching practice, as you mentioned in my introduction. And so I have the privilege of coaching people every single week who are amazing people, Wendy. They're senior level leaders, CEOs of multinational corporations, large multi-billion dollar organizations, and they're smart and they're driven and they're extremely successful. And yet, (laughs) despite that tremendous success and achievement, it's not unusual for them to tell me that they feel somewhat limited. They're still not living up to their full potential. They're just not as satisfied or as happy as they wanted to be. Now, 
just as a way of background, in my own pursuit of personal growth, I have studied the power of thoughts and beliefs and the impact they have on our lives for many, many years. And I put this learning into practice for myself, and I actually share lots of stories in the book about this. My own results were just miraculous, like nothing short of miraculous. So I began to wonder, Wendy, you know, gosh, could I teach this stuff to my executive coaching clients? You know, they seem to be finding these limitations. And so I started sharing those concepts with clients one by one by one by one. And sure enough, they began to experience these amazing outcomes too. And I said, all right, if I can do this with them, I'll do it with my staff and my family members. And with, and eventually I moved to the audiences, large and small people from all walks of life. Everyone I taught these concepts to, the results were transformational. So I said, I love it. You know, and I've been able to do this across a hundred countries. I would love to bring this to a broader audience. And I wanted to take the incredible outcomes that I was experiencing, what others were experiencing and just allow people to embrace what I know to be the truth of who we are and what we can be. And so that's how this book came to be. Awesome. Now, would you mind to share some of the key themes or topics that the book addresses? Oh, sure. You know, there are many, Wendy, I have to say there are many, many, but I'll just share a few of the foundational ones. So first of all, (laughs) a timely topic, how do we manage uncertainty? (laughs) You know, even before the pandemic, right? Even before the pandemic, this has been one of the greatest periods of uncertainty and change that I believe the world's ever experienced. It's all changing so quickly, so consistently, so rapidly. How we work, how we communicate, how we eat, what we eat, (laughs) the way we shop, on and on and on. Everything's changing. In the midst of all this uncertainty, when everything outside seems to be in this constant state of disruption... I believe we need to, more than ever, to disrupt the one thing inside of us that can create positive, lasting change. And that's the way we think. So that's one of the foundations of the book, which The Forgotten Choice is helping us to learn how to harness that magnificent mind of yours, to embrace a system of thought that works for you instead of against you. And so that was, that's the foundation of the forgotten choice. Now, another really important topic, another important theme is the importance of watching and leading what we think, taking leadership of our thoughts. I call it mind leaderships. I don't want it to sound too woo-woo, but you know, we got to lead our minds. We got to lead our minds. We always talk about mind management, but honestly, management's like a soldier, you know, kind of lining up for the next step and the next step. But I want to lead my mind. I want to have the inspiration that comes from leadership of the mind. And so that's around the thought system that we choose to look at life through. That's the most important intangible that exists, I believe. And how that intangible, something we can't put our fingers on, impacts everything that is tangible in our world. And I mean everything. And once we're aware of that, and that's what this book explains, it just places us so in charge of our outcomes in life. We stop feeling like victims, Wendy, and we realize the extent to which we can control all that's really happening in our lives. So it's incredibly empowering. And I think another important theme, again, there's many, many, but one is how to manage the most important conversations that take place in our lives every day. Now, what conversations am I talking about? I'm not talking about the conversations you have with others. I'm talking about the conversations we have within ourselves, and that's our self-talk. It is impacting us so much more than we realize, and we're just not paying attention to it. 
So it helps people to really raise that to the surface so that we can examine it and make smart choices about what that self-talk will say to us. So those are just a few of the critical themes from The Forgotten Choice. I love what you said about the power of the intangible and how it directly ties to creating happiness. I also love what you said just about the whole notion of self-talk, the inner critic, that voice that's always talking within us saying you are not good enough, right? Some of that self-talk does a lot of damage to us. So it's really important to be critical of our inner critic. So let's build on this. I found the statement in your book that was very intriguing and I'd like you to expand on it a bit more. It says, it's not doing that creates change. Know that the answer lies in being, in shifting our inner mindset. That's what shapes our outer world. Can you please elaborate on the statement and explain how we can shift our inner mindset in order to shape the outer world? Absolutely. It's not doing that creates change. The answer lies in how we're being because our shifting our inner mindset is going to shape our outer world. Now, let me explain. Let me share with an example. I think examples are often fun. So a coaching client named Lena came into my office for a first visit. Now, she and I were reviewing some written feedback that she had received. And after reading what her direct reports, her peers, her boss had written about the behaviors that she needed to improve, I asked her if these inputs sounded similar to feedback she'd received in the past. And she said, oh, yes, Brenda, absolutely. I've gotten the exact same feedback for three years in a row. No matter how much I try to do things differently, the feedback never changes. So I decided to call a few of her work colleagues and find out more. And they said, you know, I can see that Lena's really trying to make changes. Like there are even long periods of time when her behavior is perfectly on point. But somehow, even when her behavior is what she wants it to be, it just doesn't feel real, like something feels off. And Wendy, that's not surprising, right? As a coach, I know that focusing only on trying to change behavior won't really work because the beliefs and the thoughts beneath those behaviors haven't changed. Behavior comes from the beliefs and thoughts underneath that. And the feelings that are related to those thoughts haven't changed either. They're still the same. So you can try to change and change and change and change out external behaviors. But unless you change internally the thoughts and beliefs that are truly at the base of those, nothing's going to change. So, you know, I don't know, maybe you've tried to change behavior, right? It didn't stick. New Year's resolutions, right? By February, they've gone off track. <laughs> That's because just trying to change behaviors won't stick. You have to change the thoughts and the beliefs and the feelings underneath those behavior in order to change what you want. And that's what I say, it's not in just doing that creates change. It's the answer lies in being and shifting our inner mindset. And it wasn't until Lena changed her underlying beliefs and thoughts about herself that she finally, after years, received different feedback about her behaviors and the following year's review. So that's what this book really looks at, is how do you shift the thoughts and the beliefs that drive the behaviors you really do want. I hope you're enjoying this conversation around shifting your inner mindset. This is a key foundation in Brenda's book, that in order to create sustainable behavior change, we need to start shifting our beliefs and our thoughts. 
So I wanted to ask Brenda how organizations can apply this principle of shifting beliefs and thoughts to help drive positive behavioral change. You know, I said true, long-term, sustainable change requires a shift at the intangible level of thoughts and beliefs. You have to look at the intangible. And then, and only then, will that shift truly drive a change in behavior. And when you talk about organizations, your question about that, Wendy, you know, I see this frequently in organizations that I work with. Companies will come up, you know, whether they're large, whether they're small, they'll come up with codes of conduct or rules for behavior, right? And, you know, after all, they're simple to regulate. I can watch someone's behavior. I can see if it's the right behavior and call it out as good, or I can, I can see if it's not the behavior we want and call it out as bad, right? It's easy to identify and call out because it's tangible. It's on the outside. You can see it. But real behavior and the organizations I work with, real behavior change occurs in companies that implement what I call the unified code of beliefs. You know, what are the foundational beliefs that all employees or team members genuinely embrace that will drive the behaviors and lead to the results that the organization really wants to achieve? You know, it might be something like customers are at the center of all that we do. Is it really true? Do people really believe that? Do all employees really believe that? Or something like making work fun improves productivity. What a powerful belief. But do people really believe that? And do bosses and direct reports see it the same? Whatever the belief is, when you can line up people according to those foundational beliefs, it will drive sustainable, true, and collective change in an organization or in a team. It's just the way we operate as humans. And the thing is, I'm not asking for people to be zombies and kind of follow the direction of it. It's not that at all. You've got to find that truly foundational belief a truly foundational belief that everyone can embrace and that we're hiring the right people to be able to embrace that, to really just to get the outcomes you truly want. Brenda, one of the questions organizations often ask is, how does coaching support behavioral change? As an expert in coaching, do you mind talking about the impact of coaching on behavior? Well, I think, first of all, we can never see ourselves the way others can. It's just not possible. So coaching is a process that can help us with that sense of awareness, that self-awareness. And all change comes from self-awareness first. We have to know what's going on. We have to be able to see it almost, I call it from an anthropological standpoint, almost like you're on the outside of yourself looking down. And that's where that self-awareness comes from. And I think that will come from someone on the outside, like a, a professional coach who can actually help you see it in that way. Actually, I'll share a study that was done through uh, Brigham Young University, actually. And it's a really interesting study. They, they took a group of people who wanted to make change. Or they, they decided they wanted to make some form of change. And what they found, Wendy, was for those that made the statement, you know, that's a good idea. They had about 10% chance of making that change. And of those that committed and said, I'm going to do that, that chance of making a change went up to about 25%. And then there was those that said by when they would do it, and that got to about 40% chance of making a change. Those that set a specific plan of how to do it, 50% chance of making that change. And those that committed to someone else that they would do it, 60% chance of making that change. But the the big one of those that set a specific time to share progress with someone else, there was a 95% chance of making that change. 
we all know that in a coaching session, the real change takes place between coaching sessions, right? In the coaching session, we have good discussions, we have breakthroughs, we may have ahas, and that's fantastic. But it's the in-between work, it's the practice, 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 practice that gets us to that space. And that's why when you set a specific time to share progress with a coach, here's what I committed to doing, here's what I did, here's the outcomes that I got, let's take it to the next step and the next step and the next step, and suddenly becomes very natural. It becomes sustainable and such a natural part of your being that it's just become who you are and how you are. And that is the power that coaching can do, can offer to drive true, long-term, sustainable, and positive behavior change. I'm so glad Brenda mentioned the work that happens in between the coaching sessions. As we are about to wrap up this conversation, in her book, The Forgotten Choice, Brenda offers so many simple yet powerful tools that people can apply in their daily lives to drive that positive behavioral change. So I asked Brenda to share with us some of these practical tools that people or leaders can start applying in between the coaching sessions. No, I think it comes back to that self-awareness. It's almost like you're putting a different pair of glasses on how you perceive the world or your workplace or your career or all that's happening around you. And just in a way that helps you realize the potential. And so for me, that's what the forgotten choice brings to us is that constant self-awareness. And that's what the in-between sessions is about. It's really driving that self-awareness. And one of the things I like clients to do is keep a self-awareness journal, you know, literally whether it's a piece of paper or something on an iPad or something that they carry around their pocket, whatever. Let's say that someone feels they have the imposter syndrome. They feel like there's a bit of a fraud sometimes. And you'd be surprised how often that happens at high levels of organizations. You know, did I get into this position by chance? Did they make a mistake? So I'll have, uh, it's okay. Throughout your day, you're going to write down, if you come out of a meeting, you come out of a situation where you didn't feel imposter syndrome, actually you felt pretty good. So then you ask yourself, on a score of one to 10, where did I fall? Oh, I was like an eight there. I really felt good about myself. Then you come out of another meeting and you say, why, why, what happened? Who, what, when, where, how, what was going on that made me feel that way? That's the self-awareness. Then you come back and say, okay, coming out of another meeting. Oh, I felt terrible. I felt like a total fraud. I felt like a two level out of 10. Okay, write that down. Who, what, when, where, how, what was going on? Because until we uncover those patterns, the people, the environment, the situations that are causing us to feel that way, we'll never be able to bring it to the conscious level and look at it. And when you can look at it with a coach, who can help you see those patterns in a way that to define it and get clear about it and say, aha, is that really a belief that's still true that allows you to change those beliefs? And that's when the magic takes place. And you'll see that imposter syndrome fade away over time. In the book, you quote Peter Drucker, the best way to predict the future is to create it. I'd like you to share some of your predictions about the future of leadership. I really believe we're at a place in time where leadership is moving into the micro level. And the most important form of leadership is not going to be leading others. It's really leading ourselves first. And I know that that's been said before, but I really believe that the frontier of leadership is at the micro level and it's the level of leading self. Because so much of people, we talk about leadership, oh, leadership, if we could just lead others, lead others, lead others, you know, we got to focus on leading others. We cannot lead others effectively until we can lead ourselves effectively. 
And that's going to come from what we started out mentioned at the beginning, mind leadership. We have to be in charge of the way we think. We have to be in charge of the way we feel as leaders. And once we've mastered thinking and feeling, the behaviors will naturally flow. And that feeling, thinking, doing combination will make us truly great leaders of others. I love Leo Tolstoy has a quote. He says, everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change themselves. <laughs> and we have to focus on changing ourselves first. That's where it all starts. That's the beauty of and the power of change is that real internal look at oneself. Those are the future predictions from Brenda Benz. Focus on changing yourself. As we bring this discussion to a close, could you leave us with one inspirational quote or an inspirational thought, Brenda? You know, the, my underlying phrase I use a day in and day out is what I firmly believe, and that is that <laughs> much to the surprise of many, everything is always working out for our greatest good. It seems hard to believe that, but once you can change your mindset to embrace that and understand that everything that happens is working out for our greatest good, it changes your whole perspective and lens through which you view the world, your work, your relationships, your experiences uh, in this period of being human, right? And once you can really change that mindset and recognize the goodness and everything that's going on, that everything does serve a purpose, life just becomes, honestly, one big adventure. It's just so much fun because you think, what's coming next? What's coming next? And even if it's something that you wouldn't think that it would be a positive thing, it turns out to be positive because you recognize the benefits and the values of looking at it through that lens. So everything is always working out for our greatest good, even this pandemic. You know, it seems hard to believe, but if you look at governments working together for the first time in years in ways that are truly meaningful, we're coming together to align and solve problems. I mean, there's so much positive that's happening. We're learning to appreciate being back with family that we had spent too much time at work or whatever it might be. All these things are working out for our greatest good. We just have to be able to look at it through that lens. Thank you so much, Brenda. Everything is always working out for a greater good. I personally needed to hear that. Brenda, it has been my greatest honor and joy to spend this time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Wendy. Thank you again. I appreciate it. I truly hope everyone learned a lot from my conversation with Brenda Benz. For me, it was important to refocus my attention on my inner critic, reflect on the value of the intangible, and um, really take a deep look at how my personal values, thoughts, and attitude can change the world, not only within me, but also around me. Thank you for listening, and I hope you can tune in next time for my conversation with Professor Sir Harry Cooper. The professor shared his views on the benefits of hybrid working, what well-being looks like when working remotely, and what managers can do to reduce stress, anxiety, and depression in the workplace. From the Coach Hub Studios, until next time, have a wonderful day. Happiness. <laughs>